I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You ain't heard nothing yet. Wait a minute, I tell you. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Welcome to the David Pollock Show. I'm To the David Pollock Show. We have an exciting show for you tonight. Uh, again, as you can come expect with David Pollock Show, it's going to be action-packed. Lots to talk about. Some great guests coming on. I have Scott Pressler coming back to the David Pollock Show. I have Tim Murtaugh coming up after the break. A couple of callers hopefully we'll get. Uh, remember, you can call in anytime if you want to be part of the show, 407-774-8255. And we're just going to get right into it, guys. I mean, it's been a busy week. There's lots going on. One of the biggest stories of last week, was this surprising election in Jacksonville. Now, if you guys weren't paying attention, there was a Democrat, Donna Deegan. She beat Republican Daniel Davis. Daniel Davis, if we can compare their bios, uh, Donna Deegan, she was a Jacksonville native, award-winning local television news anchor, philanthropist, author, marathoner, received awards from business journals. You know, she was a community girl. Everybody knew her in the community. Her issues, affordable housing, infrastructure. She beats the Republican, Daniel Davis. Daniel Davis, he served on Jacksonville City Council, elected president of the council. He served four years in the state House of Representatives. He was executive director of the Northeast Florida Builders Association. So definitely he had the credentials. His issues, safety, economy, infrastructure, kids. So the issues weren't that different. They were both clearly qualified. And despite Republicans having 69,186 people showing up, so, uh, as opposed to the Democrats, 69,043, 17,646 NPA showed up and the race went to the Democrats. Now, Deegan ran her campaign, uh, campaign generally avoiding the culture war fights that have defined politics in Florida over the past few years. She had a more positive focus. But what does this mean? Are we losing on issues now, too? Or is it the ground game? Now, nobody knows more about the ground game than my guest here, Scott Pressler. And so, Scott Pressler, welcome. You might be actually the most frequent guest on The David Pollock Show. So congratulations and welcome. I think so. It's so nice to be back. Thank you, David. No, it is my pleasure having you on this show. You and I know people always say nice things about you, and all of it is true on social media, on Twitter. And we have a lot of followers on there and everybody's like, Scott, you need to be chairing the GOP. And funny enough, you've been posting on Ronald McDaniel, the chair of the GOP on her Twitter almost every day. I think it's been, what, 38 or 39 days now. And you're asking, what is the plan to ensure victories this November and beyond? We've already lost Wisconsin uh, and the mayorship in Jacksonville. And which is that's what I wanted to talk to you about today. I mean, you're doing Everything that needs to be done, single-handedly going to city to city, educating people how we can legally ballot harvest where necessary, how to go and win on the ground, how to canvas, how to phone bank. You're teaching, you're showing up at the recs, you're 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 registering voters. You are single-handedly doing almost all of the work that needs to be done to make success, make us successful. But you're one man, and it's not enough. And while people can be inspired by you and work hard. 
Uh, the GOP needs to get behind you. So Scott Pressler, how can we win in every all of these contested elections now and beyond? Well, it means having an infrastructure that when we have our Republican candidate for president next year, which, by the way, is going to be like late in the year, we need to make sure we're actually able to elect that person. And people don't understand that or, or maybe they're just not cognizant of, you know, they get fired up for an election for president, you know, two months out from the election. But really, a lot of the work is already done and millions of people will have already voted early you know by the time that people finally get involved in september or october and i really want to dial in on it's the work that we do now on the ground for the next year and a half that is going to dictate who is going to become elected president in 2024 building the voter registration operations and early voting and mail-in voting that's the work that needs to be done now and, for example, I put out a tweet today about southwest Pennsylvania, which I believe is trending to the right, and we're seeing that from voter registration records. And just asking for some help in Allegheny and Beaver and Butler and the surrounding area, I not only found volunteers that want to help, but I even found Gen Z activists who are saying, put me to work. And so I think the thing that's difficult for me is understanding that the people are there that they want to help, but there's no direction coming from the top. There's no delegation. There's no plan of action to actually utilize all of these people. And so while it's frustrating for me, I also see limitless potential. We have all the potential in the world and we have opportunity, but somebody needs to also give that direction because look, I'm not in power. I'm not the GOP. I'm not the RNC. I'm a private citizen doing this work. And it's frustrating having gone to Wisconsin and done everything that I could to lose that election. And it's frustrating. I'm from Jacksonville. Neptune yeah. Beach is my hometown. And Jacksonville now has a Democratic mayor. And so let me briefly touch on that, David, for a second, because a lot of people are Scott. What's going on? We should have won this. Well, yes, we should have won it. But it was a couple of, uh, couple of things going on that people need to be cognizant of. One, we had a very bitter, bitter primary between some Republicans that were running for the Republican nomination for mayor. And then after we had our candidate, there wasn't consolidation from all of the Republicans. There wasn't endorsements from all of the Republicans for Daniel Davis. And a lot of money was spent in that primary that I think left a bad taste in some people's mouths about our candidate. And then not only that, but you mentioned Donna Deegan had this impressive you know, resume. She's been around. She's been on television. People knew her. I know she's also a survivor. Uh, so I think all of those things also buttressed her campaign. But the thing that people need to understand, and I'm sorry for talking so long, is that Republicans, we turned out more voters by party voter registration. We turned out more Republicans than Democrats, and we still lost. We lost independent voters. And that's why people need to understand there's a difference between talking to the base and talking for a general election or talking to the independent voter. And I think that we must, if we're going to be successful in 2024, we have to have a strong, robust economic message 
that is going to focus on affordability, like housing, like health care, like job security. And I think that one of those interests needs to be abolishing property taxes and get Republicans all on board with having generational wealth for families. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're exactly right. And this is where Republicans are strong. And and uh, it, um, I think it was two two shows ago, we had all the state legislators from Seminole County on to talk about their legislative record. And one of the common themes was how popular most of these policies were with all Floridians, not just Republicans, because there were results for people, things like school choice. And where Republicans are strong is on the issues where we where we kind of get bogged down or on these social issues. But what concerns me here in Jacksonville is the issues we seem to be kind of the same on, and you're right, we need to be talking about issues that people can get behind. But I think something else is, is really important that you said. You said you're not the GOP. You're just a private citizen. But in a way, you are the GOP. And for, well, forget the GOP. What you are is you are the future of the Republican Party, if there is one, because what you are doing is the grassroots work. You're teaching people how to go out and win elections. You're teaching people what how to get involved. And this is what the GOP isn't doing, and that is their only purpose. The purpose of the party is to get Republicans elected. If they're not getting Republicans elected, and if that's what Scott Pressler is trying to do, what are they doing? And what I noticed they're spending a lot of time doing is fundraising. But we cannot buy these seats. We cannot buy these contentious elections. What we need to do is... Yeah, sure, fundraise. But what are we going to do with that money? How are we going to get more people on the ground? How are we going to train people? How about getting more Scott Presslers involved in the game? How about getting Scott Pressler a crew that can go out and do this in every single state? That's what I think we need. Let's go raise this money, fine. But let's do something with it. Something else we need to do is we need to use our power. Ron DeSantis, he endorsed Davis. But he didn't even show up to campaign for him. I mean, we have the most popular governor in Florida history. And we're not showing up. We're not using that. I mean, this is what we need to do better. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah, there were some intra-party mechanics going on with that, to my understanding. So I'm not going to really get involved yeah. on that. But I think the main thing is, y'all, I know that we're not happy with the National Party apparatus. But if we're not happy with the Republican Party, we're not ever going to make a change unless we change it from the inside. Right. And so, look, I've been dealing with working with lots of chair men and women across the country. I was just with Chairman Sam DeMarco in Allegheny County, which is Pittsburgh. He's doing a great job. Here you have local parties who are working with me. may not be the national structure, but join your local Seminole County GOP or Duval GOP or Pinellas County GOP, but become a part of the change you want to see, join the system, and you're going to be able to register voters and make sure that Florida is a slam dunk in 2024. But speaking of uh, building the party apparatus, I'm actually here in New Jersey right now. I'm in Bergen County, and I had to, of course, come on the David Pollock show, <laughs> but I have to run because yes. I'm teaching right now. New Jersey voters, how to A, register voters, how to B, find people from utilizing social media. And I'm also going to talk about the importance of early voting, getting people on the permanent mail-in ballot list, as well as ballot harvesting. So I, I am helping to uh, develop those structures. But again, I'm only one person, so I need all of y'all listening at home. Please help us register voters, join your party. You can always send me a direct message on Twitter which is at Scott Pressler, S-C-O-T-T-P-R-E-S-1-S. -S. 
L-E-R. And David, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show again. I, I, I say this on social media and I say this to you right now. One day we're going to have monuments built to you. People like you <laughs> is what made this country great to begin with. And people like you will continue to keep her great. So thank you so much for being on our show. Um, you know, good luck out there and thank you for all you do for this country. Thank you. Have a nice day. Good night. All right, we're going to take a quick break. and we come back, we're going to talk about this some more. We're going to talk about what happened in Jacksonville. We're going to talk about some of these other contentious races. And we're going to talk about if the GOP can come together and really unite to elect our candidates. So stay tuned. I can't walk out because I'm are you an insurance agent or property manager looking for a reliable and accurate property inspection? Floridian Property Consultants specializes in residential and commercial property inspection so that you can get policies found quickly, easily, and efficiently. FPC's experienced inspectors will make sure each assessment meets all the insurance carrier standards while ensuring that you don't pay for more than what you need. Work with a company who respects your time and budget as much as you do. Contact FPC today, 407-743-1533, online at floridianpropertyconsultants.com. Now it's time for your Mortgage Minute, brought to you by the Joe Onofre Mortgage Team. Hey guys, Joe Onofre here. Have you been turned down for a mortgage yet make good income and have money in the bank? Was it possibly due to a change in jobs or becoming self-employed? What if I told you we have loan programs that can use your bank statement deposits as income or loan programs that do not require income or employment at all? Naturally, the down payment on these types of loans is a little higher than traditional lending. And before you think, here we go again with subprime lending, this non-QM lending has lower default rates than traditional lending. So if you or someone you know would love to buy a home but have been told you need to just wait longer, give me a call. There are many lending options that might just work for you. If you'd like to chat about this further, give me a call at 407-720-8514 or online at lenderjoe.com. NMLS number 147-3557. Welcome back to a busy and exciting David Pollock show. If you guys are streaming online right now on Facebook or Twitter or Twitch or YouTube or any of these other places we live stream to, um, I tried something new tonight. I have my computer in front of me. I can comment with you. So if you want to drop a comment, um, feel free. You can go to the you can go to the David Pollock show.com, find any of our social media. You can watch the show there. But if you're on any of our socials right now, feel free to comment. And if I can get to your comment on the air, I will. So we can interact now. This is exciting. So I want to get right back into it. And actually, I have Jesse Phillips on the line. Jesse, welcome to the David Pollock Show. Thank you for having me, my friend. No, it is my, it, it's my pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Now, Jesse, you're a state committee man in the uh, Seminole County GOP, right? Uh, yes, I am. Absolutely. And, and you and I have had conversations offline about what happened in Jacksonville. And you and I talked for probably an hour the other day about what we thought was going on and, the, and what we thought the solutions might be. And so I thought it'd be great to have you on to talk about this subject as well. And, and you know, like I talked to Scott about it. I mean, look, we have a lot of energy in our recs where our numbers are growing. We're registering voters. I mean, we have we've outpaced uh, Democrats with voter registration. But, you know, I'm not encouraged to see um, some of these local races um, these, you know, the, the Jacksonville being one of them, but some of our other local races are becoming, they're not as easy of a win as they should be considering our new numbers. So what's going on? 
Well, I, I think your last guest, Scott Pressler, was absolutely right when he said that we lost MPAs. I mean, I, I think, again, let, let's not overstate the case. I mean, we, we did win some races in Jacksonville as well. So, you know, but we lost the mayor's race. You know, he, he highlighted the contentious primary. But I, I mean, I would take it a step further looking at, um, you know, how we did in some of the suburbs. I mean, we, we lost some Republican voters as well. Um, you know, in that to uh, when you look at how precinct by precinct, you know, what you want to see in these races, you know, is, you know, this big red tidal wave across, you know, the suburbs um, surrounding the urban core. But in, in that mayor's race, you know, the Democrats had some success, you know, in, in the suburbs as well. And so that that's what's concerning for me for a place like Seminole County is we're yeah. a very suburban county. And, for example, you mentioned the state house. Uh, people that you had on your, uh, you know, show last week. I mean, all of them are in seats that are plus three or plus four, I believe, Democrat districts. You know, and, and so a similar turnout model could be catastrophic for them. So I mean, you're you're right to raise the the alarms because um, look, I mean, we we all it was high tides and lifts uh, all boats, right? With DeSantis winning by 19 points, but but you're right, he wasn't on the ballot. You know, and 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 we're seeing that you know without that kind of consistent um uh message uh on issues that are winning issues for us you know we we can't expect uh to continue to win if we don't do the work on the ground that's necessary to win right and and you're right about him not being on the ballot and the interesting thing is and and we're going to talk about this with tim murtaugh here after the break but there is even desantis was on the ballot in a way because this wasn't desantis endorsed candidate but what's different is, and there's two DeSantis's in my mind, and 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 again, I don't want to go into what I'm going to talk about in the second half too much. But Jane or November 2022 DeSantis versus you know shadow presidential candidate DeSantis, we're talking about two different people here in the eyes of Floridians, and I think that's starting to play into some of these local races as well. I mean, we we had a DeSantis in 2022 uh, that saved the state from unconstitutional COVID lockdowns. We had a DeSantis in 2022 that saw the lowest unemployment rate, probably close in state history. We had a Ron DeSantis that lowered taxes and and the fastest growth uh, that we've probably ever seen. I mean, we had one of the best governors probably the state has ever had in November 2022, Ron DeSantis. Now, of course, the party's being split. And this talks about something that uh, Scott brought up before. He, He talked about the contentious primary. And he talked about that there really wasn't a reunification after the primary. Well, look where we're going now. We have Donald Trump. We have Tim Scott just announcing today. We have Nikki Haley in the race with others. And Ron DeSantis is going to announce any day now. So this is going to be a contentious primary. And, you know, a lot of our growth came from Donald Trump. A lot of our growth in Florida in the party came from Ron DeSantis. Now you have two giants um, and two people that were responsible for a lot of our growth going at each other. How does this end? And it, is what we're seeing in Jacksonville really a result of the divide in the Republican Party? And how do we recover from that? I, I don't. I, I, I think I think potentially. But also keep in mind that, you know, you and I both know how meaningless endorsements are. I mean, so. You know, you, you can make a list five miles long about all the people Barack Obama endorsed and Donald Trump and Ronda Sanders and all these people who, who don't necessarily win. But but the silver lining to all of this is that one of those guys is going to be on the ballot in the next election. 
um, you know, as, as our candidate for president. And, and both of them have proven the ability to carry the entire state of Florida. Um, so whether people unite, I think the unifying factor is going to be uh, Joe Biden. And, and people are going to come together because the alternative is what we have now uh, in, in the White House. So hopefully that'll be a unifying thing. Um, you know, in November, which just wasn't there. Um, it, it, every, every leader finds that it's a lot easier uh, to influence things when you're on the ballot um, than it is for your endorsement to carry, carry the water. That, that's just well proven, you know, in, in, our, in our political system because people don't like knockoffs, right? You know, and, and people, you know, tend to look, there were some bad headlines in this last election, you know, on both sides, on on the Trump side with some of the legal stuff, on the DeSantis side with Disney. I mean, this yeah. I, I I look at this as more of a perfect storm of the election happening at exactly the wrong time. You know, given you know where each of those are at. Now, I I think three months from now, as as the truth comes out on on Trump and as you know DeSantis continues to 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 fight Disney and and fight against the world policies that we're all proud that he fights for. You know, I, I think we've got some more time until those books are written. Um, and, and it may be a different climate heading into the next election uh, when the, the real issue on everybody's mindset, is, on everybody's mind, is not, you know, the Disney, but our gas prices and bite inflation and everything else. It's just going to yeah. be a completely different uh, thing. But to Presser's point, we, we've got to start the work now. Um, you know, we got to start training. we got to start deploying people. This is what I'm doing in the Seminole GOP, I've got some Zoom meetings in July with activists where we're talking about working our precincts, facing vote by mail, canvassing your neighborhoods, registering voters. I mean, this is the stuff that we have to start this summer. If we wait till next summer, it's entirely too late. Uh, you know, by then, it's, you know, it's a lost cause um, if we don't build the infrastructure now. So I, 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 I'm encouraged that people like you and Scott and others are sounding this alarm. You know, so that we don't end up with this doomsday scenario that is clearly possible, uh, given what we saw in Jacksonville. Yeah, well, you know, and, and it's not just a Florida thing, too, though. I mean, we've lost a, lo- a few other contentious or close races. You know, there was a we lost the mayoral race in Colorado Springs, which was historically a Republican area. I mean, yes, it was to an independent, but he was Democrat aligned. And, you know, and in, in, like uh, Scott alluded to, um, we lost the seat in Pennsylvania's 163rd House District. And the, now Pencil, the Democrats maintain control of the legislative body. You know how important that is um, in right. the uh, presidential election. And then before that, we had the Wisconsin Supreme Court race. So it's not just Florida and Florida issues, too. So my question is, you know, and this is like what I mentioned to Scott is, is the GOP nationally doing what they need to do? Are they prepared? to really organize this, these 50 states to win in these races we need to win? Are we learning our lessons? Are we doing what we need to do to beat Democrats, not only at their own game, but to be more innovative than they are? And, I, and you know, you and I work together on, on some campaigns, and you and I both know that sometimes the people who run campaigns are just as happy um, saying they went Whether to a lot of houses and saying they made yep. a lot of phone calls and using software that makes it seem like they're doing a lot of work. But at the end of the day, they're actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. And this could be happening nationally. I mean, are we really assessing what we're doing and whether or not it's effective? And that's my big concern. You know, are we just fundraising, hiring the people that we're supposed to hire and then surprised when we keep suffering the same results? Yeah. And you end up with the same people who have worked, uh, you know, five consecutive losing campaigns. Right. 
uh, you know, still telling the candidates, you know, you know, because of a historic relationship. I mean, that, that that's an age old question, you know, that I'm not sure we have the time to, to answer on this show. Hey, but, we have two know, minutes and 50 day, seconds. So. <laughs> OK, well, then, OK, then schedule me for another session and we'll, and we'll dive into that. You know, but at, at the end of the day, you know, we, we have a very strong uh, record of success at the state level because yeah. of the quality of our candidates. Right. And, and it really is the quality of the candidates that drives this shift. Um, people take credit for way too much and people get blamed for way too much. You know, the number one asset you have as a campaign manager is your candidate. Right. And, and, and those candidates sounding that message, you can't replace that. And which is why primaries are so important, because you're, you're effectively choosing your standard bearer. And, uh, you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, people are motivated to go to the polls because they like the people that they're going to support, not because they care anything about the parties involved. Right. But I mean, at the same time, good candidates are important. But, you know, and I've seen it. The selection process of our good candidates tends to really focus around who can, quote unquote, raise the most money, not so much be the most dynamic candidate. And that might be somewhere we need to pivot from. I mean, yes, raising money is important. But if you get the right candidate, we should be raising money for them, not so much basing our campaign around who can raise money because – we need there's more to a campaign and not only that but then once we raise those that money and have those great candidates what are we doing to help them win and this goes back to what you're saying these same people that go from campaign to campaign they might not be winning we have to stop recommending them we have to do a national search to find the most dynamic people that know how to win people like scott pressler these are people that should be employed by the gop nationally to go hey or scott you're in charge now, man. You're my deputy direct. You know, you're my deputy chairman. What are we going yep. to do to save this country? And this is what we need to be doing. But I don't see that happening. And that that has me a little con- little concerned. So, you know, Jesse, it's always great having you on the show. Your wealth of information. We're going to have you back. Thank you for your insight on this. Guys, don't go away. We have Tim Murtaugh coming on. We're going to talk more about the uh, next election coming up here. Um, you know, We have uh, Tim Scott just getting the race. Ron DeSantis announcing any day soon. Trump's in the race. It's going to be exciting. And, you know, so it's going to be a great conversation. So don't go away. Jesse, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, David. Keep thank, up the work. Thank you very much. Stay tuned, everybody. More David Pollock Show right after the break. Only will you be displaying a gorgeous American flag in your home or office, but you'll also be supporting a worthy cause. Every purchase supports veterans and Liberty Village. So why wait? Help us build Liberty Village by visiting unitedwepledge.org and ordering your Blue Prince of Liberty flag. David Pollock here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit the davidpollockshow.com. There you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit the davidpollockshow.com. Hey friends, David Pollock here. If you're craving the best soft serve ice cream around, Topper's Creamery's got you covered. Serving the Apopka community for over a decade, Topper's is known for the finest old-fashioned custard-style soft-serve ice cream in a variety of flavors, from their French vanilla bean to exciting specials like German chocolate cake. But the experience doesn't end there. Be sure to grab a fresh-baked waffle cone or a sundae topped with my favorite, the fresh-baked brownies. 
They even offer pup cups for your four-legged friends. So hurry in to Topper's Creamery in Apopka, South 512 Hunt Club Road. Make sure to tell them David sent you. I got my first real six-string. Rolled it out the five and done. Played it till my fingers bled. Was the summer of 69. I know we're on the air. I just like this song. So I want to listen. <laughs> Welcome back to the David Pollitt Show. Before we get into the next segment, I just want to tell you about a very important organization. Um, every 40 seconds, someone in the United States suffers a stroke, and every three minutes and 14 seconds, somebody dies from a stroke. And although these statistics are staggering, what's even more surprising, strokes can affect people of all ages, with one in seven stroke sufferers being younger than 49. I want to tell you about the Scott Cooper Smith Stroke Awareness Foundation. They're on a mission to spread awareness about stroke in younger individuals. In 2009, Scott Cooper Smith passed away unexpectedly from a stroke at just 32 years old, leaving behind a wife and a child. The foundation was started in his memory to connect stroke sufferers to the resources they need to overcome this devastating condition. If you want to help families struggling with the impact of stroke, consider making a donation to the Scott Cooper Smith Stroke um, Awareness Foundation. And you can find them at strokeawarenessfoundation.org. And I also want to tell you about a gala that's coming up. Um, this is one of their biggest events. It's been going on 14 years. It's called the Stroke of Inspiration Gala. This is coming up on Saturday, June 3rd, 2023, 6 to 11 p.m. at the Marriott and Lake Mary. Um, they have a silent auction, cash giveaway, cocktail hour with butler hors d'oeuvres, DJ and dancing. Ticket prices are really reasonable, and it goes to a great cause. So make sure you go and get your ticket today. Um, you can find them on Facebook or their website, strokeawarenessfoundation.org. I want to get right back into it, guys. Um, you know, uh, Senator Tim Scott just announced he's running for president today. He's the latest person to jump into this race that's that's getting crowded. And uh, any day now, our beloved governor, Ron DeSantis, is set to announce. And it's, this time, I think it's for real. And, you know, here's the thing. I know we go back and forth about uh, Trump versus DeSantis. And a lot of people have been poo-pooing on DeSantis a little bit lately because, you know, he's got MAGA a little upset. But let's remember, and I alluded to this when on my, on my conversation with Jesse a minute ago, before 2022 and leading up to that election, we have to remember how great of a governor Ron DeSantis is. And we cannot forget what he's done for the state. Record unemployment. Uh, he protected us from COVID lockdowns. As a result, the state grew, our economy grew, and other states were shrinking. I mean, imagine what it would have been like if Andrew Gillum was our governor instead, right? So we cannot forget how great of a governor Ron DeSantis was and is. I think now running as a can, you know, I don't want to call it a shadow campaign, but he's seemingly running for president. He's been traveling all over the world and the country. Um, he's got a few uh, MAGA Republicans a little upset. That's a big part of his base. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this shakes out. I hope it doesn't rip the party apart. But I do want to talk about all of these candidates in the race and what and what this election is shaping up to look like and so i'm pleased to bring on uh tim murtaugh who's been a frequent guest on this show and i'm so happy to have him back uh, he was the trump's communications uh, commun uh trump's communications director in 2020 now he's a political consultant but his firm does not represent any clients right now and he has no candidates in this race and that's your disclaimer right mr murtaugh it is yeah thanks uh, david good to be with you again i'm with national public affairs now it's a, a national consultant firm based in northern virginia and you have a new and, podcast uh, that's doing great as well I do. I do. We have a new podcast. It's available on Rumble. It's called the Line Drive Podcast. Two words, three words, actually. Line Drive Podcast. And I invite your listeners 
to check it out. And David, well, we'd love to have you on someday. Oh, I would love to be on. And it is, and guys, you really do have to check this out. Uh, it's a group of really fun people, um, great opinions, uh, different personalities, but a lot of really good information. And if you want, uh, if you want to hear some news, but also with a little bit of insight, I mean, there really is no better podcast right now. I'm a big fan. And so I'd love to come on the show. I'll be fanboying all over you guys, but this is awesome. <laughs> so, well, well, it'd be great to return the favor and have you on Thank you so much. So let's get right into this. I know Tim Scott just announced today, and I know last time you were on, we've been talking about hypothetically if Ron DeSantis was going to run. It seems like he's going to announce this week, they say it's it's going to happen. I guess we'll see what happens. So it's very interesting the way things are shaping up. I mean, D- Trump's ratings uh, or poll numbers seem to be going up uh, compared to DeSantis. Now he hasn't announced yet, so who knows what will happen. But as this field gets more crowded and more crowded, you've mentioned in the past that the more people that get into this race – the more likely it is probably that Donald Trump is the nominee. Do you still feel that way? Well, I do. And I think it's, uh, I do, as I talk about this again, I want to underscore that I'm, I'm with a firm and we do not <laughs> represent any of these campaigns. So I'm, I'm really trying to be as objective as yes, I possibly yes. can be. But, you know, it is still Donald Trump's nominee to lose. Think about it this way. He is effectively the incumbent. If, for the purposes of this Republican primary, he's the most recent former president of the United States. Uh, voters' memories of him are still very fresh. So he is effectively, the for, for the sake of Republican thinking, he's the incumbent in this scenario, and everyone else is a challenger. That's, that's really the, the right way to look at it. And so it's still his to lose. And certainly the more people who get in, uh, the more likely it is that they're going to fragment the people who are not already saying they're with Donald Trump. But there's a lot of polls that are out there that show pres- former President Trump at above 50% even when, you know, there are a total of maybe seven or eight names included in the poll. So he's really dominating. And, and yeah. what we have found, what I've seen, and what our polling in our own firm has seen, what a lot of public polling seems to bear out, is that Donald Trump's support, and this should be no surprise, is very, very inelastic. And that means it's very firm. And that means that by and large, when people say they support him, they really support him, and they're not likely to go anywhere. So this, they're going. Somebody's going to have to take this nomination away from Donald Trump, and so far that's not happening. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to happen either. And you know, I had lunch with a friend the other day, and he was like, you know, he, he wasn't a Republican, so he's like, I just have to understand where. How do you support Trump? I'm like, you know what? That's worthy of a lunch. So we went out to lunch and we spoke for over an hour, and I explained to me, who's been a lifelong Republican why I love Donald Trump. And of course, everybody who doesn't know or love Donald Trump, they think, you know, that everybody just, oh, you know, we, we, we must be, you know, I don't, I don't want to mischaracterize anybody, but they have certain assumptions that they think that Trump supporters might be. And they're always shocked to know that I'm a Trump supporter. Um, but here's the deal. Uh, what struck me the most with Donald Trump is when he stood on stage in 2016 among a field of Republicans, big time Republicans, Bushes and, you know, Christie's and, and all of these huge names, these people that were supposed to, uh, you know, carry the torch of the Republican Party. He stood in the middle of that stage winning week after week after week, saying things different than they all said. And that resonated with Americans. It wasn't more of the same promises, more of the same, you know, just the garbage we were all sick of hearing when people were just like, yep, nothing ever changes. It's one of them. It's one of ours, one of their. Trump had a different message. He talked about things that matter to real Americans and didn't say them because some, some, you know, this organization told him these are the things that are polling well with Americans. He was just a, an American who was sick of seeing our country lose. And that resonated with people, not just Republicans, but with everybody. 
And it's shaping up to be the exact same situation. I mean, here we have a guy who knows how to get us into a better economy. He knows that lower taxes and conservative policies will lower our deficit. Spend, we cannot spend our way out of a deficit. Trump knows how to get the economy on track. He knows how to bring world peace. If you saw his debate, and I call it a debate because it wasn't a town hall. He was debating um, Caitlin over at CNN, who's now, now being promoted because of her performance and fact-checking. If you've seen what he did, I mean, he says there's no winners in this conflict in Russia. I mean, everything he says, everything he does, he just has solutions. And I think that still resonates with Americans. And I don't see even Governor DeSantis or Tim Scott or Nikki Haley or anybody standing on stage and making a better argument or better case on why they should be president versus the person you said is the incumbent, Donald Trump. Yeah, I think that underscores the problem that everybody else race is going to have because you know you just alluded to it and i said it uh, a couple minutes ago also that he is effectively the incumbent now i don't know how you could stand up on stage in a debate situation or even you know out on the campaign trail these six or seven republicans and you're going to be everyone is going to be critical of what joe biden is doing to the country but the challenge is how are any of these people going to be critical of biden in a way that any other republican already isn't already going to be you know, so they all have the same criticisms of Biden. What they have to overcome is Donald Trump's built-in advantage that he's already been the president. And he, he can say, well, look, this is the way I did it. We weren't having those problems back then. You know, and I think what, you're seeing, what we saw in 2016 was that it was such a large field. Donald Trump had jumped out to a sizable lead right away and held on to it. And I think his opponents kept thinking that as some of the other candidates dropped off, that someone would eventually emerge as the candidate to challenge Donald Trump. That person would get enough support growing behind whoever that was. And that's the way they were going to knock Donald Trump off. But what we saw instead was every time someone dropped out, Donald Trump got stronger and his lead got bigger. It worked exactly opposite the way that they thought it was going to work. Now, in this case, there's a smaller field. Trump's number is already above 50% in most national polls. So even if someone gets some, some momentum and coalescing behind that person, it's going to be hard because you're starting from a position where, you know, best case scenario, you can get into the mid 40s against a guy who's already over 50. So it really is a tall hill to climb. I, I would say this as a caveat: anyone who tells you that they know what's going to happen at the end of this process is lying to you because no one knows actually what's going to happen. But right now, boy, does Trump have a huge advantage. So knowing that, and, and look, you're a smart guy, and obviously you've advised some some pretty smart people. These people are getting into this presidential race. They're not doing it just on a whim. They've spoken to their consultants. They've spoken to their donors. They've made this decision that they think there's something in it for them. The Ron DeSantis thing, I'm still, uh, I don't understand what he's being told. I know he had a tremendous win in Florida, and there's very good reasons for it. Um, I'm not sure uh, how you can divide his base, which is made up largely of MAGA people, and think that you're going to have the same success. Um, I also don't know how it ends up being a win for the governor if he doesn't end up winning the nomination because he still has four more years to serve. He's going to spend two more years of that campaigning after he told, you know, he just applied for a job and now he's going and trying to apply for a different job, changed the state law to allow him to do so. It's just, it's leaving a different taste, I think, in people's mouths um, with, with respect to Governor DeSantis. But other candidates like Nikki Haley, um, Tim Scott, do you think they think they can win or do you think maybe they think if when Trump wins, there's a, an appointment for them somewhere. I mean, what can be the strategy? They're looking at the same numbers you're looking at. Yes, maybe they're hopeful that Trump will be indicted somewhere. Uh, maybe they're hopeful that, you know, the party, you know, the people will take, 
somebody will get rid of Trump for them once and for all. I don't see it happening. He only gets stronger the more they try to take him down. I mean, what do you think their their thinking is in getting into a race where the odds are clearly so stacked against them? Well, you know, I, I guess you, you would you would have to believe that each one of them thinks that they can win for different reasons. I right. think I think DeSantis thinks that, you know, he has been a successful governor. He's got a high national profile already. His his uh, name ID is already almost you know completely saturated. There's not much more he needs to do there. And I think his selling point is that he you know, he's effectively the same on all the policies as Trump is. That he is Trump. He's the guy who's going to be pugnacious and fight and fight against the left and fight against wokeism and all that. But he's the guy who can do that without all the chaos that, that he says surrounds Donald Trump. I, I get that. I don't, I don't know if that's going to carry the day, but that's his, that's his argument. That's his, uh, <clears throat> his theory of the case. For somebody like Nikki Haley, you know, she's kind of in a different lane. I think she's trying to go for a more moderate streak of Republicans in a lot of these primaries. And, you know, she, she may, we'll see how well she does in South Carolina. And polls that we have conducted in, in our firm, National Public Affairs, show that she's almost neck and neck with DeSantis in South Carolina for that Republican primary, which is the third one on the list on the calendar. So, so very important. Um, the others, you know, it's, it's hard for me to, to see a case for a, a way for Vivek Ramaswamy to win, honestly. You know, Tim Scott has just gotten into the race. He's a very, very compelling candidate, no question. Um, whether or not he catches fire, I don't know. And I think there are some others who are still sitting on the sidelines who may, yet may get in, like uh, Governor Sununu from New Hampshire or uh, Burgum, the governor uh, out west. And, and then also you have uh, Chris Christie, who has been talked about. And then, again, Glenn Youngkin, the governor of Virginia who has already said the kind of that he wasn't going to run, but he, he, there's been some noise that he's reconsidering it. And I think some of those guys are sitting it out right now because they're waiting to see if DeSantis catches fire or does he flame out. And if DeSantis flames out, a guy like Youngkin can step forward and say, you know what, now I'm the alternative to Trump. And, you know, try me on for size. What do you think? So I, there's a lot of this game yet to be played and there's some names that might enter the fray depending on what happens in the field existing some other names might come in no matter what happens in the field um at the end of the day they're all trying to right knock off the king and right now the king the last guy who won this nomination is in the race and he's winning big so it's a tall task for anybody well yeah and, and i mean and it's framing up to be 2016 all over again i think if if trump stayed unopposed and I think he just got into this race without any, you know, villains other than Joe Biden. I think it would have been actually a more difficult race for him because, you know, 2020 Donald Trump wasn't the same as 2016 Donald Trump in a way that he was already the incumbent. He was the president. What made 2016 Trump so powerful was he was an outsider standing on a stage full of, you know, uh, arguably insiders. And that appealed to Americans. And now it seems like a lot of people are getting on stage to frame him as being the outsider all over again. It's almost like they're delivering in 2016 with a side of um, revelations of government corruption that we knew existed this whole time. Like we keep having these. Uh, yeah, we are. Of course, we knew moments like the FBI comes out with a report saying, yeah, uh, we shouldn't have done what we did. Yeah, we know. Like, you know, if they come out with another thing that like COVID was, you know, well, they already did actually. COVID was uh, more proof that COVID was from a lab in China. Yeah, we know. So we don't get all upset about it. But Trump's going to go on stage with all these people say, look, everything I said was right. You know, we're going to have more election stuff come to light. And so I think he's only going to get stronger. One last thing I want to talk about. And you mentioned it with Nikki Haley being the moderate choice. And, and, and Tim Scott, I do love Tim Senator Scott. I mean, he 
he has a great personality. He's done great work in, in South Carolina. He's very popular. Um, the thing is, you know, they in the media, they talk about his nice guy, Tim Scott, and Nikki Haley being moderate. You know, Rush Limbaugh all the time used to say that Republicans really like to kind of appease Democrats. We think that we can just be moderate. We think we can negotiate with them. But if you look at what the Democrats are doing now, even in the minority of power in the House, when you're weak to a Democrat, they take advantage of that. And I'm not saying moderates are weak, but of course, all of us would like to see us get along with Democrats. And we'd love to see this country be governed in a way that really is not so divisive. But I don't think Democrats are playing that game. And I don't think we can win with that message. What do you think? No, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You can't, it's hard to, it's hard to negotiate. Let's, let's use it as an example of what's going on here with the debt ceiling talks, right? So you have the House Republicans who actually have passed the bill which requires certain things. It requires a freezing of spending to current levels over 10 years, a variety of things regarding uh, access to welfare programs and things like that. Some good Republican policy is in this bill. Now, Joe Biden, for over 100 days, has refused to even negotiate, refused to even negotiate. In fact, the White House press secretary stood at the podium and three weeks after Republicans had already passed their bill in the House, said, we will not negotiate on the debt ceiling. She said those words. I mean, you can't, that, there's no ambiguity there. And so here's the thing. How can you, can you actually negotiate with the left in good faith? Right. And I don't believe that's the case. So I believe as Republicans, what a primary election should be about is about uh, airing our own policies within our own party, deciding who is the best champion of those policies, and then go to battle against the other side in the general election. And, you know, that is a difficult, it's a difficult spot for a moderate candidate to be in because, Frankly, that's not where the party is. Right now, the party is very conservative. It's a very Republican, a very conservative Republican party. And that, to me, is a very good thing. What the, what the left doesn't, what the Democrats don't admit is how far left their party is. Yeah. There's, a, there's a very big gulf between what I would consider a moderate Republican and uh, the very first Democrat on the other side, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think that our moderate members are far more uh, numerous and more moderate than theirs are. Uh, but I still would rather have a fight and an argument inside our own primary about what our conservative ideals are and let the best champion of those go forward. Yeah. And the diversity of opinion is one. you're exactly right, is one of our party's biggest strengths. But um, at the same time, you know, the Democrats are united. So we're going to have to figure a way to 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 have diverse representation and, and actually represent Americans. Um, but at the same time, we're going to have to figure out a way to unify. And I think this Republican Congress is doing it. Tim Murtaugh, thank you so much for being on the show. You bring so much insight and information. I know it's a real treat for our listeners. So thank you for being on the show. We'll see how this thing shapes out. We'll have to have you back to talk about this again, because you're right. More people are going to hop into this race and it's going to get exciting. So I guess we'll just stay tuned. Yep. And thank you very much for your time, David. And we'll have you on our, our podcast. Once again, it's called line drive podcast on from so look forward back. to it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, stick around. We got some more news to cover right after the break, so don't go anywhere. David Pollack here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you're looking for more information on any of our sponsors, or perhaps you want to hear a replay of a past show, make sure to visit thedavidpollockshow.com. There, you'll also find our latest articles, links to our social media, and opportunities to become a sponsor yourself. So remember to visit thedavidpollockshow.com.
I know I'm on the air, Gabe. Gabe does this thing where he points at me through the glass like, you're on. And then I see the on-air box come on, and, and I'm just feeling this music. But yeah, I guess we have a radio show. For some reason, you guys tune in to listen to me and not my music. Maybe you don't, but you got me anyway. So, <laughs> well. Welcome back to the David Pollock Show. Hopefully you're having a good time. I'm having a great time. I want to tell you about one of our newest sponsors. It's Public Telephone Company. And if you're a business owner and you're sick of dealing with big-name telecommunications companies that leave you frustrated with terrible customer service, and then they put you in a contract, that's why I love my friends at Public Telephone Company. They're an industry-leading VOIP provider, internet phones, offering all-in-one business communication solutions that are completely contract-free. And they have competitive pricing, so they don't charge you too much and then keep you in a contract for it. But the best part is they support their customers, and they have U.S.-based support. That's right, in the United States. So don't let your phone company drive you mad. Call Public Telephone Company today at 877-314-4080 or visit publictelephonecompany.com. Well, I just want to get right into it here, guys. We got, look, we've had some very exciting discussions that we're talking about what we can do um, in the Republican Party to win some of these elections. Uh, you've heard some great opinions on that. We've talked about how this new, uh, the new candidates are hopping in the race and what the presidential election shaping up to be. Man, there's so much else going on right now. I mean, look, debt ceiling talks I don't even know what we're going to talk about debt ceiling talks. It seems like every day they're like, this other thing is going to be awful if we don't do this debt ceiling stuff. It's like, if we don't stop spending money, the country will be better off. But we keep talking about all these things we're going to threaten that we can't stop spending money on. We have to keep an eye on how this debt ceiling talks go. I don't think the Democrats are negotiating good faith. Look, Title 42, you have the news saying every day, hey, look, we're at the border. Um, I don't see anybody coming across. Meanwhile, there's footage at night of buses being loaded up with migrants and they're being taken to all these places that'll take them, some of which is New York. And have you seen New York City is setting up shelters in places because they have no places to house the migrants? One of the shelters they chose was a gymnasium in an elementary school. So the parents started protesting. And of course, they didn't house them there. So now they're housing them in hotels, kicking out veterans who need the assistance. I mean, this is what it looks like when you open up the borders. The mayor of New York is furious at the Biden administration. And at the same time, these are the very same people that have been telling Trump he can't have a wall and we should have open borders and sanctuary cities. And, and, and you know, this is seriously a, something that we're going to have to look at. And at some point, this country is going to have to come together and find a solution from this problem. You know, now blue states are saying we need even distribution uh, of the migrant situation. Like even how about no distribution? How about you just do what Trump did? You remain in Mexico. Reinstate Title 42 or something like it. Why is it that we create a crisis and now have to figure out how to solve the crisis? Why is everything a crisis negotiation? And now the U.S. is supporting sending F-16s to Ukraine? I mean, seriously, this is what is going on in the world right now, guys. This is why the 2024 election is going to be so consequential. But in addition to national issues, and, you know, we talk about um, some of these local elections that we need to win. Now look at Florida House District 35. Now, I don't know if you guys saw this. If you live in Orange or Osceola County, Florida House District 35, um, Fred Hawkins Jr., apparently he's accepting a job with the South Florida State College uh, as their president. He's going to resign his house seat. So we're going to have another election in District 35. What's interesting about this one, guys, is it sits uh, right inside of Congressional District 9. And you know who knows Congressional District 9 better than any other person. That's my good friend, Scotty Moore. 
Scotty Moore sits in congressional and he's seeking re- he's seeking election again in 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 CD nine. And if you all remember, he overperformed against Democrat Derek Soto in the last election, had some great endorsements, including Ted Cruz, Mark Meadows, um, just a lot of people really got behind him. So I kind of like the idea of Scotty Moore maybe running for state house in 35. He'd be a great congressman. But man, if we can if we can get him in our state house, he can really serve um, some Floridians. And, and Scotty, if you're out there, I know you listen to the show. I hope you call in. And uh, I'd love to hear uh, what you're thinking on uh, 35, because I know everybody who listens to this show supports you. But guys, and I, know, I think you might have seen this too. Now, uh, Florida, by the way, uh, we're no longer safe to travel for people of color and LGBTQ plus identities um, because of Ron DeSantis's policy. So the NAACP has issued a travel advisory uh, in response to all governors, Governor uh, DeSantis' attempt to ban books about race and LGBTQ and all these things that protect parents' right to educate their children the way they see fit. The funny thing about this, guys, do you know where uh, they made the uh, recommendation to the National NAACP Party uh, to uh, have an advisory against traveling in Florida? Can you guess? It was in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> So the NAACP took a Florida chapter of the NAACP's advice to ban travel to Florida. Apparently, it's not safe to travel, but it's perfectly fine to have a convention. Hey, (laughs) oh, hey, Scotty Moore is online, too. Scotty Moore, welcome to the David Pollack Show. I heard you. Maybe you heard me calling you out. Yes, sir. I was listening to your conversation and uh, great, great bit. I mean, it's a really good show. That last bit with Tim Murtaugh talking about the debt ceiling and everything, uh, I really love being a part of the, the David Pollack show. So thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. I heard you call me out. So I thought I'd give you a quick call. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, listen, I, I told the listeners uh, about, cause we talk about a lot of national stuff. Look, we have a local broadcast area. Um, I, I tell the listeners a lot about national stuff because look, it affects us locally, but look, a lot of stuff that happens here in Seminole County affects things nationally. But, you know, I think you would make an excellent Congressman. Uh, I'm a big fan of yours. A lot of our listeners are big fan of yours. This House seat is very interesting, though, too, because I think you'd make a great state rep as well. Have you put any thought into District 35 if Fred Hawkins does uh, surrender that seat? You know, we've had a number of people reach out and call, and, and uh, yeah, we, we're we're looking at it. We're prayerfully considering it. And uh, I even reached out to uh, Representative Hawkins to talk to him briefly about it. And so, you know, 90%, I was doing some looking after some people at that, 90% of, of Representative Hawkins' district fits right in Congressional District 9. And we ran hard, we pushed hard, and we're not giving up on Congress, but it's uh, also, in addition to helping save America, we need to keep Florida free, we need to keep Florida red, we need to stay home and serve the constituents. And I wasn't going to run against uh, Representative Hawkins, he's right here in my district, uh, and so that was a non-starter. But now that it's opened up or will soon open up, it's something that we're strongly considering for sure. But you're not ready to make an announcement here on the David Pollack show, are you? Well, no, but I look forward to sometime <laughs> soon. You know, there's a lot of moving parts right now. We're trying to talk to some people up in Tallahassee and, and, and we're, we're, we're praying about it. Uh, again, I'm looking for an opportunity to serve. Uh, that's what I've done for over two decades serving with uh, the nonprofit, helping marriages, helping families, helping the community. And if there's an opportunity for me to step into this seat and also serve the people of House District 35, Central Florida here, uh, we're definitely strongly considering it. But no announcement ready for now. All right. Well, hopefully when you decide you're going to announce, uh, you do it right here on the David Pollack Show. Can I, can I book an exclusive yes. announcement date? 
Let's try to. Well, I can't set a date right now, but let's definitely stay in touch, and we'll figure out what how how things progress. How no, no, that? I didn't mean it was a date like you'd give me on the calendar, like a date night, like a Scotty Moore date night on the David Pollock show, making a special announcement. So, like a date in the future. For sure, man. We'll we'll uh, we'll coordinate. <laughs> we want we care about your listeners. We care, and listen, you guys, your listeners are conservative. You're hardcore. You're wanting to help save America. You're wanting. You're talking about the issues. You're very. You're the type of audience that we want to make sure that we're staying in touch with so absolutely you can count on that oh fantastic scotty we wish you the best of luck uh, look you did great um in 2020 and you did you're going to do fantastic in whatever you decide whatever race you end up in um because your heart is is one of service and i know that for sure but thank you so much for calling into the david pollock show hey yeah thanks for for giving me opportunity uh, all right course. god bless you you too all right guys that's it we we reached the end of another exciting david pollock show next week we're going to be pre-recorded but it will still be exciting I have Mark Smith coming on. He's a constitutional attorney, a member of the U.S. Supreme Court Bar, a New York Times bestselling author, and he's been all over the place. He's podcast guy, Four Boxes Diner, so you don't want to miss next week's show. Plus, we're going to be putting uh, some spotlight on our sponsors, and we have a pre-recorded interview with Sebastian Gorka. So next week, we won't be live, but we'll still be exciting, so you don't want to miss it. So remember to tune in right here, 7 p.m. on Mondays, like always. Visit our website, www.davidpollockshow.com, and thanks for listening as always. Good night, everybody. It may be rough going just to do your thing. AM 950, FM 94.9, The Answer, WORL, Orlando, News Talk Station of the Year, with this SRN News update, starting now. News this hour from townhall.com. I'm Keith Peters reporting. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was the headline speaker at the opening session of the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando, Florida. Though he hasn't declared officially for the GOP 2024 presidential nomination yet, he sounded like a candidate. In those eight years, 